0: People often skip over this part of Paul's letter to the Philippians that Joy has just read to us. But I mean, who needs Netflix? Because there you've got Paul, he's in lockdown, or more specifically, he's in prison. And he needs friends to bring him uh, food and essentials because nobody else is going to. And his friend has almost died, maybe from an illness, and, and they're all slightly reeling. You know, life is not linear. Everyone's got lots of needs and the struggle is real. So what are they going to do? We read there that Paul wants to send his friend Timothy to the church in Philippi, as well as sending back Epaphroditus. Sending him back because the church in Philippi had sent Epaphroditus to Paul, and now he's been ill and has almost died, and Paul wants them to see that he's okay now. You know, amidst all the chaos, Paul, he is on purpose about his friendships. Today in this moment. There needs to be a degree of intentionality to our friendships, doesn't there? I wonder how you're fostering that at the moment. The, the challenge of getting friendships right is not something that has just been sort of sprung upon us. The government decided two years ago that we needed a minister for loneliness. And in a church our size, you know, we can't all be best friends and we're dispersed right now. But Paul here, he isn't sort of out of sight, out of mind. We see a lot of physical distancing going on in this letter, but not social distancing. In fact, what we see here is closeness. Paul, he he writes about his anxiety and sorrow at others' pain. I mean, hang on a second. Isn't this the same Paul who said he'd learnt the secret of being content in every situation? Well, yes, he's learned to be content for himself, but his friends really matter to him. You know, He's not numbed himself to the needs of others. The 19th century Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, he famously said this, that friendship halves our troubles and doubles our joys. I love that, that close friendships, they have such an impact on our quality of life. And at a time of isolation and loneliness, we need real friendship. And Paul, he is saying here that the young Timothy, he is the real deal. You know, he's setting him apart. He's singling him out. I didn't think we were supposed to do that. What makes Timothy so special? Well, have a look there in verse 22. Paul writes, Timothy has proved himself. He has served with me in the work of the gospel. And that is helping people find life and freedom and meaning and purpose in the good news of the person of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to do this work, you know, we need to look after each other really well. You know, the friendship that we see in this letter is staggering. You know, the care that these people have for Paul. They risk life and limb for him. I think of a few friends that I have, and one in particular who calls me seemingly out of the blue because he can tell that something's up. And there's no way of him knowing that other than being sensitive to the Holy Spirit prompting him and guiding him. And a few of these friends, they are doggedly committed to me. You know, when the kitchen sink has been thrown at me, they have sat with me through pain and they have lifted my eyes to Jesus Christ. And uh, they laugh with me, they often laugh at me and they love me. You know, in, in other words, they want me to flourish. They want me to thrive. You know, I hope that we have a variety of friends, but are you part of a connect group? Do you have friends that are deep enough that you can still enjoy banter with, but you can shift through the gears into what's really going on at a deeper level? Do you have a few key friendships that help you very specifically with your mission and your purpose here on earth? Because as one of my great friends says to me, that the greatest ministry that we could have right now and ever have is the ministry of friendship. This is something that we can all get involved with. So how do you get your friends to help you? And how do you help them to fulfill what Paul says, to, to serve the work of the gospel? Well, we serve the work of Jesus by letting Jesus be at work in us. Jesus, we see here, he's very much at work in Timothy. Paul writes in verse 20, have a look. He writes, I have no one else like Timothy. And what does he write? He says he will show genuine concern for your welfare. You know, Timothy, he will not pay lip service to you, Philippians. Paul, he has a, a quantity of friends, but he is focused here on a quality of friend. Have a look in verse 21. And Paul writes, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. I find it very interesting that Paul, he links here genuine concern for others with looking for the interests of Jesus Christ. Here, it's it's as though Paul says, Timothy, he sees the church as he sees Jesus and he cares for the church as he cares for Jesus Christ. We see here this blend of compassion and conviction. You know, I tried to separate out these two things, uh, compassion and conviction, into two neat headings for this talk. But it's like trying to unscramble an egg. You know, some people say, oh, well, I'm more of a conviction person. I'm more about the truth of God's word. And then some people say, well, I'm more a compassion person. I'm more into doing than doctrine. But that doesn't make sense. Because if you're someone who is letting the truth of God's word inform you and transform you, then you will be growing in compassion for people in the same way that Jesus is. And if you're wanting to minister to people with compassion, then you want to be ministering with nothing less than the compassion of Jesus Christ. No tilt for heaven and you'll get earth thrown in too. Aim for earth and you'll get neither. Conviction without compassion is brutal. Compassion without conviction is ineffective. But you get conviction and compassion working together. Well now there's a potent combination that is compelling. It's the combination that got churches of different denominations last week to unite to sing a blessing over this nation. They weren't singing, the Lord might bless you and keep you. I don't know, maybe he will. Good luck. No, they they sang with conviction and confidence and with compassion. What you and I need is conviction. We need uh, conviction from the Holy Spirit, from the truth of God's word applied into our lives by the Holy Spirit. Remember last week in verse 13 that that God, he works in us to will and to act to to fulfil his good purpose. Have you let the Holy Spirit be at work in you so he can let his compassion flow through you? And what happens when we do that? Well, have a look at what Paul writes about Timothy. Well, Firstly, we see there that when Paul writes in verse 20 that I have no one else like him, the original text says like-minded or like-souled. You know, this is not we both like playing tennis. No, there's a singleness of heart and mind and action for the gospel. Not just as one person, but between friends. Now, As we get red hot on fire for Jesus Christ, we find others come out of the woodwork who are the same too. People who can spur us on. Secondly, in verse 22, we see that Paul's own relationship with Timothy is like a father and a son. And Paul also writes about Epaphroditus as a brother, as a co-worker, as a fellow soldier. He's writing here about a depth of friendship that has come from advancing the gospel together. The context here is relationship, that you advance in relationship. Could you describe a friendship like that? Thirdly, in verse 20, we see there the quality of showing genuine care. And Paul here, he is putting flesh on the bones of what he wrote in verses 1 to 4, the attitude that he urges others to have, and also reminding us of Jesus that he writes about in verses 6 to 8. In other words, Timothy is displaying Christ-likeness, because Timothy he is deeply committed to Paul. You know, lone wolf Christianity won't work. Yes, the Holy Spirit, he lives in each of us individually, but together we form the body of Christ. And so when Timothy is caring for Paul, he is caring for Jesus. And as he does that, that helps Paul to advance. You know, their friendship is more than just a connection. It's to advance the mission of Jesus. The enemy would love for the church to be disunited right now. But we get unity when we focus on the cross C.S. Lewis writes that friendship happens when two people see the same truth. In that blessing video, it happened across denominations. It's the same with two or three of us as well. That As we rally around Jesus Christ and form friendships around him, we advance. We advance like-souled and like-minded. So that's Timothy. What about Epaphroditus? A big name and a big heart. He too lives out the same pattern that Paul described earlier in the chapter. So much so, in verse 30, we we read that he's prepared to lay down his life for the gospel. Does that remind you of anyone? Because there is no greater love than the one who lays down his life for his friends, to risk all for the call. I mean, talk about compassion and conviction. For God, he so loved the world that he was generous and he gave his only son. The passion that drove him to compassion. And that's how Paul, at a time of huge crisis for himself personally, he can send back Epaphroditus to the church in Philippi. Just like the sending God sends us. Because uh, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. So don't focus on the giving, focus on the loving. Focus on on, on loving God and loving the people that he loves and and the giving will follow. You know, this is a passion for God that flows into a compassion for people. Paul, he is honest about his emotions and how hard it is to be away from his friends. And we'll each be feeling that right now, not just those of us who have uh, family and friends abroad, but all of us. But when God gives you the conviction of, of why he's put you there, You become a channel, as H was saying last week, for the Holy Spirit to work through you. You know, even for the introverts, we all have friendships that give us life, don't we? And Jesus, he is the most life-giving friend that you can imagine. He literally gives life to you, a quality and a quantity of eternal life. David Brooks the New York Times columnist, and the New York Times bestseller. He wrote in The Road to Character. that There are two sets of virtues. You've got the resume virtues and the eulogy virtues. The resume or the CV virtues, the, the skills that you bring to the marketplace. And then you've got the eulogy virtues, the ones that are talked about at your funeral, whether you were kind, whether you were brave and honest and faithful, or were you capable of deep love? I wonder what they will say about you and me. The Queen said that she hopes that we will be able to take pride in how we responded to the challenge of coronavirus. Will we have spent this time tinkering away at self-improvement? Or, like we see in verse 22, will we be proven in this time? We see that Timothy, he proved himself. The original text says that he slaved or was devoted in the Gospel with Paul. And just as conviction and compassion are not separate here, and duty and desire are not separate here either. the God, he changes our hearts. He reorders our hearts to beat with his compassion. And when two or more people are gathered together, devoted to the same cause, driven by the same God, well, the sky's the limit. I hope that whatever else happens, we will be able to look back on this time and say that we kept the main thing the main thing, that we kept the cross at the centre, that we let Jesus be at work in us by his Holy Spirit, and that we worked with Jesus, for Jesus, together as friends, and that we bore greater fruit for him, because we did it together. Because amidst the, the drama, the heartache, and the inconvenience, to put it very politely, Paul, he writes there in verse 19, that my hope is in the Lord Jesus. Then in verse 29, he says, welcome Epaphroditus in the Lord. In verse 30, the work of Christ. Everything he does is in Jesus. He doesn't do anything apart from his friend Jesus. And particularly, all his confidence is in Jesus. Even amidst his restrictions, he writes in verse 24 that he is confident in the Lord if you and I could read Paul's handwriting of this heartfelt letter written to his friends. In the original Greek, we'd see that when he writes confident in the Lord, there's this sense of rest, something that all good friends give to us. But here it's working from a place of rest, of rest in the finished work of the cross. we rest on this Jesus who's Authority is his compassion. Let him captivate you and let him compel you. I dare you to find a more faithful friend. Because whatever our changing circumstances, like Paul writes in verse 27, we too are the people that God has shown mercy to. Jesus, he is the source of friendship. He is the goal of friendship. He is the beating heart of friendship.